sent that pastor a message, and I won't boil shrimp with barbecue crab after that service. But I done got in the mood now, man. Amen. <laughs> I, I don't know what, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what I did. It's never happened before, but somehow or another, my iPhone overrode my iPad. And I had a new prayer list on the iPad, but somebody sent me a message on the iPhone when I turned it on. It overrode the iPad and throwed my old prayer list. So let me remind these that were on the prayer list. Joy Savage had a, a pacemaker this week, and she's home doing well. Little Mason just turned five. We've been praying. He's in cancer treatment, and we've been praying for him and continue to pray for him. Mike White's dad is in a room now at Longview Regional, and, and uh, Jeanette Ashley. Jeanette, are you in here this morning? Jeanette had a high... Uh, levels uh, in her blood and they've done tests and she is looking probably at cancer or that's what they're thinking so you pray for Jeanette and then many of you know uh, Dick Lindsay a pastor around here for many many years his wife had a stroke so pray for that family also and I think that may be if you go to our website or if you get the little app for your iPhone or iPad you can keep up with every detail uh, but me reminding you of that is just almost impossible. I can't remember my name most days. But we are in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. And uh, we left off at verse 16 on uh, Wednesday night. We'll pick up there this morning. Two verses, Romans 1, 16, and 17. During a recent online class I was taking, uh, this professor made this statement, and then he kind of treated it different than what I'd really ever even thought about. But he said, God came on this earth after the, the fall, and the first question he asked was, where art thou? Where are you? And what a prevalent question that is this morning. Where are you? Never a Sunday morning goes by that I don't answer the phone in there, or someone does, and usually it's me and one or two later. And somebody says, I'm, I want to come to your church today. Uh, can you give me the directions? Now, the first question I ask them is, well, where are you? Because, see, where you are depends on what the directions are. If I don't know where you are, I can't tell you how to get where we are. So the question this morning as a child of God or as a lost person this morning, where are you? Are, are you really saved? Do you, do you think maybe you might be saved, but there's a chance you're not saved? Now, I don't want to preach any, I don't want you to, I don't want to scare you into heaven, I guess is what I'm saying. Isn't that ridiculous? A preacher ought to want to scare the, anybody into heaven. <laughs> I don't want to make you think you're lost when you're not lost, but I want to tell you, I don't want to give you any assurance if you're lost and hanging on by a thread. So where are you? The book of Romans is Paul's most elaborate and in-depth theological statement. And if you're unsure about what Romans is all about, verses 16 and 17 sum up the entire book. Stand with me, please, as we read God's holy, inspired, infallible, all-sufficient word. Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, 
the just shall live by faith. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed. Lord, it's been a great time just praising you and remembering all you've done. And then, Lord, to close it out, just humbly before you, crying out to you, oh, God, I need you. Every hour I need you. Lord, would you just continue to speak as you've already begun to speak this morning. Let your Holy Spirit have freedom and control in this place. And we'll praise your name and lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There's an anxiety that's facing preachers today in churches. And uh, we live in, and work in kind of an in-between time. Uh, the dogmatism of yesterday's pulpits, they, they've all gone. I mean, your Adrian Rogers, your W.A. Criswell, Lester Roloff, John R. Rice, Scarborough, Billy Graham, Billy Sunday, they've all gone. And it's given away to, uh, well, I looked up the word so that you wouldn't know what it was, <laughs> to an ambivalence of pulpits today. And that's just another way of saying we're putting on a show. In the face of all the political correctness on one side and the fear of sounding, sounding like a rabid fundamentalist on the other side and preachers come out from their studies wide-eyed, look like a deer caught in headlights. We fear successful mega churches. They're doing a great job at marketing. If you think this is a mega church, you're wrong. This is not a mega church. We don't use the principles of a mega church. We're not marketing. We're soul winners. We're after souls. I don't care if you're 85 years old. In fact, if you're here today, 85, and never had a relationship with Christ, I'm more interested in you than someone who's 35. Because your days are numbered shortly. I don't care how many days you got left. So we, we, we've got mega churches who are reaching the baby boomers and the Gen Xers and all over the community, and they're even taking people out of good churches. I'm not belittling any of that. I'm just saying that's what we face today. We fear if we push too hard or press too much, it won't work. And then we fear if we don't push hard enough and press hard enough, it won't work. We fear being labeled narrow-minded by our colleagues and by our neighbors and by even our own church members. Words like sin and judgment and righteousness and immorality and evil, those are words that say we don't want to use those words today. We don't want any more of that. We might make somebody mad. God forbid you make a church member mad. We fear being labeled with the religious right or being labeled with the religious left. <laughs> We're so hyper-conscious that sometimes our sermons at best offend no one and at worst put everybody to sleep. All that great fear, let me tell you what's happening today in America. Preachers are coming into these pulpits apologizing. I'm going to have to speak on the cross today and I really hate to do that. I'm going to have to speak on tithing today, and I really hate that you have to listen to that. Well, this is one that's not going to apologize. I might just preach on tithing anyway. I had a, 
I had a guy tell me not long ago, I don't come to your church because all y'all do is preach on money, money, money. Now, he happened to pop in here out of five years on one Sunday that I preached. And, and I preached through the Bible. You know, it just happened to come up. But he left here saying all we ever do is preach on money, 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 money. I'm not going to argue with him. I just pray God bless his ignorance. You see, if we're not careful, I don't care who we are, we become more interested in filling up the seats than we do changing lives. And I want to tell you something. Our Jesus is not, he can take something that's broken and repair it, but his specialty is taking something that's dead and making it alive. That's what his specialty is. I think about us as we stand and ready to move forward I think about all the things out there that which we can find in fear and the only thing I could think about last night was what Dorothy said we're not in Kansas anymore Toto <laughs> yet in the midst of all of the hesitancy and the cowardness the commitment to secular motives, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> wow, there's some things I'm ashamed about. I'm ashamed of my background. I'm ashamed of where I've been. I'm ashamed of what I've done. Listen, if you, uh, <laughs> you uh, want to dig some things up on me, you won't have to go near as far as they do on our government officials today you can find all kinds of things I yelled at my wife the other day I hadn't done that in a long time but she scared the daylights out of me <laughs> I, I'm driving in Dallas and you know how that is She's snoozing and jumps up. Oh! I thought, what? <laughs> My soul. Paul's background. He'd been in prison in Philippi. He had been chased out of Thessalonica. He had been ignored in Athens. He was laughed at in Corinth. He was stoned and left for dead in Lystra. And in Corinth, the Greeks thought he was a fool, and the Jews thought the message he preached was a stumbling block to faith. And yet Paul comes into Rome, the heart of the empire, the city of philosophers, and home to every conceivable idol and emperor worship and intellectual arrogance, a city built on war, the greatest city in the world, as Paul knew it. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to stand up. Paul, what makes you think you can survive in such a place? Paul echoes Jesus' sentiments in Mark's gospel. Jesus said, those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father. Mark 8, 38. Luke 9, 26. Those who are ashamed of me and of my words and them the Son of Man will be ashamed of when he comes in his glory of the Father and the holy angels. You see, Paul was convinced that this Rome needed to hear some good news. 
Now, let me tell you when you need good news. You need good news when you're in the midst of bad news. You see, the bad news is that we cannot be saved by ourselves. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I know it's the power under salvation. I know people can be saved if they come to the gospel, if they come to Jesus. People needed to have something to anchor their faith with, something to hold on to. And that sounds just like contemporary America. People are reaching and grasping at straws to find hope and to make some sense. And they grab a little thing here and search for something over here. If we do this, we'll be happy, we're told. And guess what? We do it and we're still miserable. If, 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 if you have this product that we're selling on TV, it's make you happy. And yet we get that product and we're no happier after we got it than we were before. But the gospel says, if you really want happiness and joy, you want fullness, Jesus Christ will fill you where the emptiness is. Let me give you four things and we're through. Number one, and incidentally, I'm not uh, losing track of the fact that I quit preaching last week about 1135. I just wanted some of you to know that. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're on even ground. Number one, let's just dissect this scripture. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God to save for salvation. The Greek word here, that word power is the dunamos. We get our word dynamite from. Some people think, oh, we got, uh, they took this meaning dynamite and put it here in the Greek. No, 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 no. The Greek was written hundreds of years before we used the English word dynamite. We got our word dynamite from this word dunamis. He's saying the gospel is a dunamis. It's an explosion. It's like dynamite here. Paul is clear that it's not just a moment when you get your salvation card punched and then later on in heaven, I got my card punched. Here I am. I'm showing up. Here I am. That's not what salvation here is. It's a journey. It's a process. It's a, a pilgrimage. Paul says you were saved and, and, and are being saved and you will be saved. It's a journey, a life of growth. But when I think about what I'm saved from, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's a power of God unto salvation. What does the gospel do? It saves sinners. What, what, tell me something else that'll save sinners. How about education? No. How about science? No. How about religion? No. How about moral reformation? No. How about fame and fortune? No. The only thing that can save you this morning is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Nothing else can. Now, sometimes when we use that word salvation, we think only of past tense. I've been saved. It was 1939. I remember I was saved. Well, if that's all you got to go on, you're kind of weak. You're kind of weak. You see, the gospel is also always, surely, to forgive sins of the past. It's called justification. That's the big word for it. We are justified. When I finished up almost 20 years at my last church before I came here, had all these CD, uh, not CDs, they were cassette tapes uh, of all my sermons for 20 years. And they said, what do you want to do with those? I said, burn them. Burn every one of them. I preached so much heresy along during my life, I don't want nobody going back digging it up. 
I used to preach that there are two ways you could get to heaven. Now, you can get to heaven by the blood of Jesus through his righteousness. Amen? And I used to preach that you could get to heaven if you live perfect. And then I read one day that even our perfection is as filthy rags before the Lord. I mean, that's just plain out heresy. You can't get to heaven but one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's it. You've got to be justified. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't do good for it. There's nothing you can do. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus has already done it. So we're justified. That takes care of all of our sins. And then uh, we, we also are sanctified. Now there's a sanctification process that's going on. Some of us are not nearly as sanctified as others are. Amen? And it doesn't matter how old you are. Age has nothing to do with this. The Lord is trying to chisel away at us to make us in his image. And so some of us, well, some of y'all, he can just mention something and you immediately jump to him. Some of us who are bullheaded, stubborn, he has to take a chisel and just knock the daylights out of us. The chisel to make us what he wants us to be. You see, sanctification is important because if we're not careful as a Christian, the culture that we live in will infect us. We'll find ourselves seeking after it. It'll infect us with greed. It'll infect us with jealousy. It infects us with envy. It, it, the ways of the world. Mm. But in Jesus, you got an inoculation. Some of you young people don't know what that is. How many of you got a round spot there on your arm when you had your TV test? Sure, we all did. Now they got some sugar cube they drink or something. I don't know what, but I still pride in that. I mean, that's the first shot I ever remember getting. So there's justification, there's sanctification, and then, bless God, in the future, there's something called glorification. That's when we're going to be with him for all of eternity. And those of you who look like you ate a persimmon before you came this morning, you're going to have a natural smile on your face. Those of you that we duck in the hallway because we're scared to ask you how you're doing, you're going to feel good. You're going to be good. It's a happy day with the Lord. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Let me give you the second thing. He said it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Wow. You see, it's not just for, no, it's not just for certain few. It's for everyone. I love that word, everyone, because a lot of people today are preaching that everyone don't have a chance. Some people are and some people not. Depends on who you are. I got news for you. That, that's nowhere in the Bible. I'm telling you, the Bible is full of whosoever will, let him come. The Bible is full of Jesus with his arms open, say, all you that labor ahead, come unto me. I'll give you rest. Wow. The word believe is much more difficult than what we claim it to be today. 
Uh, it means to make a personal commitment, to surrender, to trust by an act of the will. That means that the gospel demands every person make a response. You came this morning, so I'm going to have a good, good show in the music department. I'll stay there and have that, but I'm not making any decisions. Well, you've already made it. When you say you won't make a decision and follow Christ, you already made it. You're not going to follow him. So you're going to respond. That's what he said. To those who believe. Now let's just suppose. We're not feeling well. And we go to the doctor. And the doctor says, "Mm, I got some bad news. Bad news. You have inhaled some of that African dust. Now we've had it two weeks here. And I want to tell you, if you've ever been in an open meat market down in Kenya, Miss Barbie can de- uh, ver- verify this. Bless God, you know they'll, they'll do things to you you never thought could be done to you. And so this dust is blowing over here from Kenya and Africa, and you've inhaled it. And the doctor says there's no cure. You're doomed. Nothing you can help. But he says there is a new medicine. I can write you a prescription for it. You take that one dose, got to do it immediately. Take that one dose, and you'll be able to live. But what do you do? You say, write the prescription. And what do you do then? You go down to the drugstore, wherever you get your drugs at, corner store, or I don't know, South Long, wherever you get your drugs at. <laughs> And you, you go get that prescription, and you take it home. And some of you have real nice medicine cabinets. We've got just a big pantry where we just throw everything in. <laughs> and you put that bottle up on the shelf, and you just say, I'll, I'll think about that a little bit later. And you don't take the medicine. You know what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. You're going to die. Now listen to me. That medicine at one time is within 12 inches of your mouth. You've got it. You've got it there. It's there for you. But if you won't take it, it can't help you. And I'm telling you right now this morning, the Holy Spirit is hovering over some of you, and he's saying today is your day of salvation. And I'm telling you, if you say, maybe tomorrow, I'll think about it, whatever, you put it back on the shelf and you go on your merry way there'll come a day when you'll be separated and cast into the lake of fire when all the time the gospel has the power to save those who believe who will take Jesus and believe (laughs) I heard about that husband and wife in the doctor's office I've told you this before and the old man can't hear good. So she, his wife says, go out in the waiting room and I'll tell you what he says. The doctor says, your husband's very sick. But you can save him. What he needs is three good meals a day on a time schedule. He does not need to get excited. He cannot argue with you. You need to say, yes, dear. Whatever he says, you say, yes, dear. You massage his shoulders some. You keep him calm. And I'm telling you, he'll live for a long time. 
She said, okay. She walks out in the waiting room, and they're walking down the hall. He said, what did the doctor say? She said, he said, you're going to die. <laughs> it's a choice. It's a choice. You can choose Jesus today, or you can choose not to have Jesus today. But the medicine by itself does you no good. Jesus by itself, it's good that you personally own the medicine. It's good that, that you, you, you know who Jesus is. It's good that you was raised in church. It's good you went to Bible school. It's good you sing in the choir. It's good you're teaching Sunday school. But it's not enough. You've got to have Jesus. You're saved from sin and from judgment because Christ has already experienced judgment on your behalf. I want us to be a church that's totally sold out for Jesus. We're in this 30 souls for 30 days, and I was praying about that. I don't know if you're having the same problems I have. I, <clears throat> I have led two to the Lord this month, but they've not been from here. Uh, this morning I was talking with one uh, when I was having breakfast, and, and uh uh, but she's already a Christian, but she had a lot of prayer needs. And, I, and maybe I've come across the wrong thing. I don't want to act like 30 souls for 30 days is just numbers we've got to get. The idea is to get us to telling people about Jesus. And if you tell somebody about Jesus and they're already saved, don't treat them like, well, whatever. Tell them you're fixing to pray. Is there something we can pray? Half the people, this woman broke down this morning and just cried with the problems she's got in life. People are hurting all over. The whole point of 30 souls in 30 days is to get us to talking about Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Then I love what he says here. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then he said, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, what does that last statement mean? That means it's universal. It's universal. It's for anybody. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter how your education is. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your family background is. It doesn't matter what your religious preference is. It doesn't matter what your political preference is. It doesn't matter what your moral degradation is. I'm telling you to the Jew and to the Greek, to everyone, you can be saved this morning. No exceptions. <laughs> the gospel. Now, I want to tell you, and I, I refer again to Kenya, because we've been there a couple of times, Barbie and Denise, and I don't know, some more of you. I don't know. You've got to be careful. I, I learned this about five or six years ago. You see, the true gospel will preach anywhere. You can go to Kenya and preach the gospel. You can go to Lithuania and preach the gospel. You can go to India and preach the gospel. The true gospel you can preach anywhere. Now, I want to tell you, you can't do that with the prosperity gospel. You go over to, to Kenya and start talking about, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to have a pink Cadillac. They'll say, what's a pink Cadillac? And why in the world would somebody want a pink Cadillac? We're making $25 a month. All we're wanting to do is have food to feed our family with. See, the gospel will work anywhere. But this name it, claim it, grab it, stab it, all that stuff, that don't work. It'll only work when you're in influential places. 
The true gospel. Jesus died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. On the third day, he arose. And after 40 days, he ascended into heaven. And he's interceding for us right now. And there'll come a day when he said, enough's enough. Go get your children. And we're all going to be caught up to meet him in the air. And live with him forevermore. Wow. God is so holy. He's not arbitrary. He's not cruel. He's going to deal with us in mercy and love. I have people all the time saying, you know, if God really did love, why, does, uh, why did two planes attack the, the towers? Why didn't God stop it? I won't tell you what I tell them now. The same reason he doesn't cut you dead when you're gossiping. He loves you. He's extending mercy. Don't you look at his extension as being a weakness. When the day comes and the hour comes, there won't be any shortage on angels to come get us and shut this place down. God is in control. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What needs to happen now is we need to go out of this church saying, look, I'm going to stand for truth. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be hateful. Uh, but I'm going to be honest with you. If we water this thing down, we just well stay home. We don't need to tell people about how great Woodland Hills Baptist Church is or how great our life group is. We need to tell people who can help them, and that's Jesus and only Jesus. You know, go back through and read the scripture. Every time Jesus came into a crowd, he made everybody feel at home. Boy, that's the kind of church we want, amen? I mean, if you're not feeling at home this morning, I, I, let me know. I'll set you beside. There's some people here. Now, I know we got some grippy, you know, people. I know that. Don't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But I want to tell you, our whole goal here in this church is to prepare people for the coming Lord. That means if you need to be saved, we want you to be saved. If you need to be discipled, we want you to be discipled. If you need prayer, we want to pray. We need to be talking about Jesus, how he came to earth, how they found him in a manger, how he grew up in a Jewish family, how he pressed himself to know God and to love God and come to a point where he said, I don't care about my will, Father. Whatever your will is, that's what I want to do. And that's what we need to do. Let me... Let me just challenge you. When you leave here and you go to that Mexican restaurant, that's where most of y'all are going because that's the cheapest food there is. <laughs> and you go to that Mexican restaurant, talk about Jesus. Just, just, I, I challenge you to do it on the way out. Just talk about Jesus. There's a song that says that. Let's talk about Jesus. Da, 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 da. That's old. Let me give you the last thing I'm through. God does not make deals. You know, I can't remember my name half the time. I can't remember some of you. It's, 
it's terrible when you used to could and you can't anymore. But I can remember the first deal I ever made with God, just like it was yesterday. God, if you'd give me a new bicycle, I'd find somebody and pump them to church. That was the first deal I tried to make with God. I don't want a bicycle for myself, God. I want it to pump people to church. I want to bring them to church. <laughs> Dr. William Barnhouse in one of his sermons, how unfair it would be for God to put a condition for entrance into heaven. If God demanded a certain degree of intelligence, he said, it would be unfair to the morons. Now, we can't use moron anymore. That's not politically correct, but Dr. Barnhouse used the word moron. He said, if he demanded wealth, it would be unfair to the paupers. So you know what God does? He doesn't demand wealth. He doesn't demand uh, intelligence. He demands perfection. Now see, we thought we was going to get something good. He's not going to demand something that's going to keep us out of heaven. Because if only the rich could get there, the poor had no choice. So he said, I'm not going to demand intelligence. I'm not going to demand money. What I'm going to demand is perfection. Well, who in the world here can do that? Nobody. We're in worse shape than we thought. If it was money that got us into heaven, we could at least go borrow some about on our deathbed when we knew we couldn't pay it back and then get into heaven. God demands 100%. Jeremy, come up here a minute. <laughs> Let's just have a little fun here. Amen. I've still got plenty of time. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Here's a blue mark they put here for us. Okay? And we're going to start. You, you start right here. And I'm going to start right there. And I'm going to tell you, that blue mark there, from this one right here, from there to the other side of that stairway there, we've got to clear. We've got to jump from here to the other side of the stairway. Because in the here is a great gulf. And it's a fire. And if we fall in there, we're gone. No hope. Huh? I can go first? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. That was part of the show. All right. All right, your turn. That floor is slick. All right, you got to jump from here. Now, let's see. I got to about right here before I started sliding, okay? And you got tennis shoes on, too. Bless God, you're ahead already. You can't go back no further. <laughs> wow! Huh? He came all the way here. I, I, I got over here. Now, what happened to me? Well, he came all the way here. What happened to him? Thank you, Jeremy. Here. Here's a token of my appreciation. Needs a battery. I don't like it anyway, so take that thing. 
Make, no, no, I'm serious. Take that thing. I can't read it. I told my wife that. Ain't that right, honey? But it does need a battery. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. No matter how good you think you are and how far you think you can jump, you're going to land short and you're going to be destroyed. And there's only one bridge and that's when Jesus laid down his life on Calvary. And we can walk through the cross, through the blood of Jesus and come out on the other side. And that's what some of you need to do today. I mean, I, I, I look, all joking aside, we've had fun. But I want to tell you, it breaks my heart to know there are people here that are lost without Christ. I can imagine what it does to some of your mamas and some of your grandmamas, some of your granddaddies. Some of them already gone on to heaven. But they're up there right now, I believe, cheering and praying for you right now this morning. pastor was giving a children's sermon and he said to the kids he said I want to describe something and I want you to guess what I'm talking about pastor started out said it's small and gray it's got a bushy tail it climbs trees and you could just see the children's minds begin to racing and the pastor went on to say during the summer it finds nuts and stores them up for the winter and at this one point, this little old boy, uh, Robbie, just jumped up wildly, and he said, I know the answer. I know the answer. And the pastor said, okay, Robbie, what is the answer? What am I talking about? And Robbie said this. He said, well, I know that the answer is Jesus. It's always Jesus. <laughs> but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. Folks, I want to tell you, you'll have people tell you, your answer is if you go to this doctor. Your answer is if you do this. Your answer is if you'll study this. Your answer is how to do this. I want to tell you, folks, your answer is Jesus and only Jesus, nothing else. I pray if you're here this morning and lost without Christ, today is your day of salvation. Now I want to just close with one other illustration for us who are saved, members of this church. Little boy had a dog, kind of mangy looking. A man walked by and he said, sir, young man, what kind of dog is that? He said, well, he's a police dog. The man looked at him and he said, well, he sure doesn't look like it. The little boy said, he's in the secret service. Have we got some Christians here this morning that are in the secret service? You love the Lord, but you're not going to tell nobody about it. If somebody at church knew you loved Jesus, I mean, somebody at work knew you loved Jesus, you'd have a stroke. We don't need any more secret disciples. We need folks who will say, hey, I love Jesus. This is what he's done for me, and this is what he'll do for you. Father, thank you this morning.
for the time we've had to worship and pray and study your word. Lord, the time we've had for the Holy Spirit to convict us and deal with us. I pray this morning for this congregation. Lord, I, I don't want to let go until folks are saved. There are people here that do not know where they are today. God, would you show them where they are and then show them the road to get where they need to be? Lord, I pray they'll make it public today that you would be honored and glorified. We thank you for all you have done, what you're doing right now in the midst of this congregation, and what you will do in the future. In Jesus' name. Would you stand together? Christian, would you lead the way? Prayer altars are open. You come right now. Come on. Amazing, Amazing grace. How sweet a sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now. I sent that pastor a message, and I won't boil shrimp with barbecue crab after that service. But I done got in the mood now, man. Amen. <laughs> I, I don't know what, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what I did. It's never happened before, but somehow or another, my iPhone overrode my iPad. And I had a new prayer list on the iPad, but somebody sent me a message on the iPhone. When I turned it on, it overrode the iPad.